Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 266 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. It's been an interesting week, more sunshine and showers, the nectar on the borage keeps flowing in, but locally we're close to the summer nectar flow shutting down. The tap is about to get turned off and the next phase of the season begins. Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. Hi everyone, welcome back once more. Another busy week has just flown by and now we head into the peak of the borage flow for us. If it hasn't just happened, I suspect it's nearing the tipping point and might have just another week or so before it really starts to dry up. Everywhere else, I'm seeing fruits forming on blackberries, limes and other flowering plants that our colonies have been foraging on. And I'm going to predict a great year for blackberries or brambles. Such has the weather been. As we drive from apiary to apiary, it's really easy to pick out the sweet chestnut trees in flower. And these are now starting to change from the bright yellowy green colour that the flowers have when first open to the slightly brown tinged colour of pollinated flowers and the beginnings of fruit buds forming. Sunshine and showers have been the order of the week and it looks set to continue like this for the rest of the month. We've had some very heavy showers and when the clouds break warm sunshine. There hasn't been the prolonged dry heat wave of last year and so I think maybe the colonies have been able to benefit from a decent nectar flow this summer. We were back at the borage this week shuffling supers around. Quite a number of colonies have filled and capped at least a couple of supers and are moving upwards into the third, fourth or in one or two instances their fifth super. These newly worked supers have been moved down beneath the capped supers to hopefully encourage more bees to get cracking in them, storing more honey, capping them over while this opportunity lasts. Borage honey is very light and I found out this week to my surprise, pleasant surprise I have to say, subtly floral when eaten straight from the comb. It's a beekeeper's perk of course, born of a beekeepers cock up dare I say. Let me explain. Our supers for the Langstroth hives don't have any spaces in them. We do it manually. There are a few with spaces but for the most part they don't have any spacing. So if you put the supers on quickly you're in a hurry, it's going to rain or it's late in the day you want to get home or you're distracted. Can you can you tell that I'm trying to make up some excuses for myself here? Anyway, I left a rather large gap between a couple of super frames in a couple of boxes. Enough for the bees to decide they were going to fill the gap with comb just over an inch thick, which they filled with honey and capped. As I lifted the boxes apart, it fell out in a really nice chunk, yelling out to be kept and taken home. The taste of honey straight from the comb, or in fact eaten with the comb as normal, is a real joy. And when it's literally just out of the hive, you get all of the wonderful flavours. And I was genuinely pleasantly surprised 
by the subtle flavours of borage comb honey. So this comb came out of the swarm I rescued the previous week and detailed how I set them up in the last podcast. I had given them a total of four supers and was pleased to see that they were working in three of the four supers when we revisited them. One was filling nicely with brood while the other three boxes were occupied but only two were being actively worked. When you're looking at how bees are working in supers, it's important to follow my usual mantra of resource management. You need plenty of bees and plenty of nectar for the colony to make lots of honey. With this swarm, all I was really expecting was for them to build enough of a brood nest to settle in for the autumn and winter and start them up again next spring. Not at all. They had filled several frames with capped honey. They had a nice spread of brood in all stages. Um, That's the expression bias that you might hear beekeepers use occasionally. It refers to brood in all stages, bias, a simple acronym that nicely describes a well-formed area of brood from very young larvae all the way up to sealed, almost emerging brood. Once I had managed to carefully save myself that small chunk of comb for my supper, I was able to reorganise the frames in those supers, get the queen and the brood in the bottom super and place that on a proper floor. Queen excluder above that box and in assessing the remaining supers, it was obvious there weren't enough bees to cover the entire comb area I had given them. With the summer forage shutdown fast approaching, Experience teaches when you should leave them the space and when to remove a block of frames to concentrate the bees' efforts in a smaller number of frames to get them filled as best and as quickly as possible. Shuffling them around, I was able to remove one of the supers, leaving them just two boxes, but with several frames still to fill. Frames filled with honey in the makeshift brood box were lifted out into the honey supers above and empty frames of drawn comb dropped into the brood box for the bees to work with. I don't want to get to the end of the flow and find frames in the supers that I intend to remove haven't been capped, so I've restricted the amount of room above the brood area. Remember, I've got a queen excluder between these boxes now. Once the two boxes above are filled, I can take those away for extraction and then work with the bees to feed them so that they can be given a brood box of drawn comb above the super that they've been using for brood, but at that point remove the queen excluder so they have free movement throughout the two boxes, making it a kind of brood and a half setup for the winter. I think there's more than enough time for them to get set and store enough food, The brood that is now capped is going to be emerging in a couple of weeks' time, adding to the colony population workforce. All in all, I'm really happy having turned around a situation where we had principally lost a swarm, but recovered it to be able to take a couple of supers of honey. One of the main reasons for heading back to the borage was to assess the amount of honey being stored in the supers on the main colonies, and to reorganise and add or remove supers depending on the colony size and the work they were doing. Something that we noticed pretty quickly was that some of the colonies were very happy to draw out fresh comb on frames of foundation that we'd given them, whilst others 
seemed to be stubbornly refusing to go anywhere near it. Luckily, we had a few stacks of spare drawn boxes on site, so rather than waste precious time trying to somehow set the hives up to coax the bees onto the foundation and get cracking with drawing it, we simply swapped out boxes of foundation for drawn comb. It's a tricky time of the year to be shifting supers and super frames around, and the key here is not to give the bees too much space. What we're really trying to achieve in most situations is the storing of the summer honey in one box at a time, somewhat different to the mad spring flow where there seems to be so much nectar you can add several boxes all in one hit. Obviously we have a slightly different situation with the borage flow. This is very similar to the spring oilseed rape flow and we can afford to add as many as three empty supers at the start of the flow but then that needs checking and adapting depending on the individual colonies. What I'm looking for when I open the supers is a large population of bees working all of the frames in the super or honey box. If you look down at the space between the frames in the supers of well-filled capped honey frames, you'll see the creamy white wax cappings indicating that that frame has at least been capped at the top of that frame. You might want to use your hive tool to lift one or two of the frames out to see if it's been capped all the way down or if it's just the top couple of centimetres. If it's all capped, the bees are beginning to cap the outer frames and you don't have another super on, I would say it might still be worth popping on another super. A lot depends on the local conditions for you and other factors such as the strength of the colony and whether it's foundation or drawn comb. If you happen to be near a borage or other high nectar flow crop, then you might still get away with foundation. Obviously, if that's all you have, then use it. If you have more than one super on a colony, things get more interesting and exciting. Lifting off that top super may give you something of a surprise, as the weight of a full super can be very heavy indeed. Take care of your bags. I take the same approach with the second super, glancing down to see how the bees are working it. Is it being capped? Do they need more space? Simple to answer questions, but they're always tricky to answer for the beginner beekeeper. Be realistic. Is the nectar flow in your area still going strong or are you seeing signs of it dropping away? This might be seen where a super has lots of bees in it, but they're not really working the outer frames, indicating that maybe there's not so much nectar coming in now. Be cautious, I would say, when adding more boxes at this time of the year. If you have another crop to look forward to, perhaps Himalayan balsam, for instance, then adding another super might be appropriate. As I said earlier, I think we have a couple of weeks, maybe 10 days left. Something we did decide to do while we were at the Borage Apiary was to remove several supers from colonies where it was obvious they were not going to do anything with them. We'd added extra boxes to most colonies and now was a good time to be thoughtful about how things were going and to be sensible about what to expect. For the most part, it seems we're in for a great borage crop this year. Colonies that were earmarked as production colonies have performed very well and currently sit with three or four supers almost full. Interestingly, and as an aside, 
I was at the Fishing Lakes Apiary this week, checking in on the John Harding queen-rearing disaster. That's a tale for another time, but the comparison between apiaries and specifically the forage here at the Fishing Lakes and the borage was totally different. The colonies at the Fishing Lakes are finding it harder and harder to source fresh plants to forage, and it looks like the blackberries and other nectar plants are all but finished. That's nearly two weeks earlier than we usually see here at the Fishing Lakes. Anyway, back to the borage apiaries. I wanted to comment on the colony that we decided to treat with the Formic Pro treatment. I actually shot a video giving all the details for the Formic Pro and how we were going to use it, in some detail I thought, only to open the hive and find absolutely no evidence of Varroa at all. Totally bizarre. At first I thought I'd made a mistake and opened up the wrong hive. Then it occurred to me that I may have inadvertently popped the roof on the wrong hive. Not too sure how that could have happened, but I was beginning to think I was going crazy. Actually, everything was fine. There was nothing for it but just to continue the inspection on camera and try to talk my way out of it. It's a bit of a conundrum, really, because there were definite signs of a varroa loading issue. There was also chalk brood and sack brood in the colony, and they were looking really quite sad. Here we are, around maybe two or three weeks after the initial diagnosis, and not a thing. The brood looks fantastic. Capped brood has that classic digestive biscuit colour to the cappings, and there were not many empty cells, indicating the workers were simply hygienic bees and had cleaned it all out for me. There was no chalk brood on the floor of the hive, and the supers we had given them were filling up nicely with honey. I guess the point here I really want to make is don't be worried about changing your mind about something that you have planned to do, but when it comes to opening the hive and sorting it, something alerts you to a change that means you either don't need to carry out a technique, as in this instance, or that maybe you need to add a treatment instead of a super because you found something that wasn't there last time. Be adaptable. Be willing to acknowledge that maybe you've mistakenly decided there's a problem when there isn't. That certainly looks to be the situation that I found. Or simply be happy that the bees have sorted it for you and saved you a job. In another twist to this situation, we had another colony. It was a split from the original Varroa colony that also had signs of Varroa. And we intended to use drone brood removal instead of a chemical treatment so that we could compare the two. We found exactly the same situation. No signs of any Varroa at all and no need to force the colony to overproduce drone brood so we could remove it along with any Varroa hidden in the cells. I think I must be going bonkers to be honest. Obviously I need to lay down in a darkened room but that will have to wait until after we've been to the heather talking heather we're one step closer to the green light on this project it's quite exciting really i've spoken to the commercial beekeeper who's helping us out and he has a contact number for the gamekeeper in control of that area and i'm meeting up with the bee farmer next week to discuss the logistics of getting around 50 colonies to the heather in good time to hopefully grab a late crop 
It is an exciting prospect, but I'm also feeling a little nervous about it, I have to say. It's a big draw on time and finances and could end up with no crop at all if it doesn't deliver. Still, you have to buy a ticket to stand a chance of winning, as the adage goes. Finally, I spent some time getting the second extractor out of the box this week in preparation for the summer harvest. Won't be long now. It's another Lega Flamingo 28 frame Whisper Quiet extractor. I still find it hard to believe just how super quiet these extractors are, and I'm looking forward to getting the honey room laid out in preparation. We have the brush uncapper in its own tank now too, which will save a lot of space as we previously used the Appy Melter, and as you've probably seen, it does take up quite a lot of room. All we need to do now is wait another week or so, get the honey back to base, and the work of extracting can begin. Well, that's it for this week. Don't forget to check out my website, www.norfolk-honey.co.uk, and for my latest videos and podcasts with more updates, tips and techniques, it's the same Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. And remember, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was beekeeping short and sweet. <laughs>